All right, all right. So, yeah, I'm a sucker for Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, but here we go. I just want to point this out, that, that God has this plan for your life. He's got a mission and a purpose for your life, and he plans on equipping you for that mission. This is kind of the whole idea of this series, is that he has this plan, he has this purpose, and he has the provision for you to succeed in that plan. So we see this moment where Frodo, he's just this little hobbit dude hanging out in the Shire, and if if this moment never came along, if this moment never came across his path, he would have just lived out his life, a simple life, to his death, not having accomplished this this thing of great purpose and significance for his world. I mean, I'll let you watch the movie. I won't spoil it for you. But but here we go. We we see that right Frodo gets this moment and he now has to choose. He realizes there's this problem in the world and now he has a choice. He realizes there's this this significant issue that's facing him and all of his society and now he's going to decide what to do. And you saw that moment where he he takes it and he he realizes like okay, I'm going to take hold of this purpose. I'm going to take hold of this plan. I'm going to do something about this, right? He accepts the mission. And that's my goal for you today. You don't actually have to like take any steps, do any actions other than deciding to accept the mission, to accept the plan that God has for you. And then once he's made that acceptance, notice that he runs throughout his house. He's grabbing all sorts of things, right? Clothes and shoving it in a backpack and apples and bread. And he's got his walking stick and his cloak. And, and he, he's get, he gets all of these things that he needs for this journey. And he didn't have a lot of time to prepare for this journey, but he knows he's going and he knows he can't just leave as he is. That he needs to equip himself for this journey. And he fortunately even gets a friend to go with him. And I want to point that out, that in the mission that God gives you, the, the call that he has on your life, he equips you with everything you need to succeed. That he equips you with the people in your life to succeed. He's not setting you up for failure. And so I want us to think about that throughout the series. What are the things that God has available for us that I need to take hold of so that I can actually succeed in what he's called me to do? How am I preparing myself for the purpose to which God has called me? Right? That's what we're thinking. But, but today, before we get to all of the things and how we get equipped, let's just talk about are we going to accept this mission? Are we going to accept God's plan and God's purpose, or will we choose instead to live out a life pursuing our own pleasures and doing our own things unto our own death? Is that what we'll choose to do instead? And I want to point out that, right, God, we talked about last week, has a good plan for our lives, that he is able to to work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And I suggested this to us, that God's plan is gooder than your plan, right? His plan is gooder than your plan. I'm saying it the wrong way so you remember, and it kind of like offends your brain for a minute, and you'll remember it as a result, that God's plan is gooder than your plan because you and I, maybe you didn't, I don't know, maybe you didn't realize this, you and I have finite knowledge, We don't have all of the information. We don't have all of the wisdom. Uh, We haven't figured out all of reality. We, We have a finite amount of information of which we're making significant choices for our whole lives off of limited information, okay? You and I have finite resources. 
We, we, we just, you know, we might have a little bit of natural talent or skill set or, or friends or, or gifts that we have, some, some money, whatever it is, right? And, and we have finite resources to accomplish a plan. And what's interesting is the plan that God calls us to, we don't have all the resources for right now. So you, if, if, if I was making a choice regarding the plan for my life, I might make that choice based off of, well, I've only got enough gas money to get so far. I'm going to plan a life that's far less than God wants for me because I'm basing it off of my finite resources. I'm not aiming for the, the place where God wants me to go. I might be aiming for less. Also, you and I, we have uh, biased views, right? Our, our morality is so often based on what we want in the moment. And so often, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, we sabotage our own goals when we get distracted by our desires, Right? I mean, I mean, you might want to be fit this summer, but that cake is awesome looking and you want to eat all of it, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're, we sabotage our own desire, like our own goals when we get distracted by our temporary desires. And another issue that we have when it comes to planning is that we don't know the future. We might actually come up with some really good plans, make some good investments and choices in our lives, but we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know that. But yet God in the Bible says that he is the one who knows the end from the beginning. And so when I'm trusting someone with a plan, I would rather trust the person who is the author of life, the engineer of my life, who knows the end from the beginning, than I would myself, who, like all of us, this is our first time around, right? This is all of our first rodeo on this earth, and it will be our only rodeo on this earth. We don't have all of this wisdom. We don't know what's going to happen. And so I'd rather trust the guy who has got it all planned out. I'd rather trust his plan far more than mine. <clears throat> so here, here's some Bible verses for us to, to build this basis. Because what I think, in my opinion, is really meaningless. It's, it's what is true that matters. And, and so here we go. This is in, in the book of James. I, I said James chapter 4. I certainly hope it's the right chapter. But You'll find out. That's fine. I can make mistakes. God doesn't, so it's fine. So let's see. Uh, James, somewhere in the book, it is verse 13 and 14. Uh, he's, he, James says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Right? We, we've got plans for ourselves. Right? Whether you're, you're someone who's a high school graduate, you know, that just maybe went through that, or a college graduate, or, or you've got these plans, you've got your five-year plan, you're, you're hoping to get married, or you you're just got married, you're saving up for a house, whatever it is, we have plans for ourselves, and, and we think, we hope that it goes a certain way. But, but James is cautioning us with the confidence of which we speak. He says this, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You might have a really good plan, but you actually have zero idea of whether or not it's going to succeed. No matter how like, much confidence you can boast about it with, you don't know. Like, it might even be a good thing you're planning, but we, we don't know. We don't know the future. And he says this, what is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little while and then just vanishes, just whoosh, right? That's, that's what our lives are like. The, or in Psalms, I think it talks about that we are like grass that withers, right, once it's cut. It's just, we don't have a lot of time here. I know it feels like a long time. I know, like, if, if we're younger, we think we have a, a whole lot of time. But in reality, compared to eternity, any number, no matter how large, is relatively zero compared to infinity. 
Okay? That's some math for you. That's bonus. All right? I've got a license to teach math, so I can throw math in there when I want. Okay? And, and so, so this is what James says. He says, instead, you ought to say. So instead of saying with such confidence and boldness and looking great, uh, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Right? It's like, hey, this is up to God's plan. It's up to his sovereignty. I might make plans, but God's going to lead my path. I, I might have a hope, but God's going to be the one that's authoring my faith in my life. He's, he's the one that's in charge. It's his universe, right? He's the one that's in charge. And so that's what James says. We, we really can't say with confidence anything about the future, not even this afternoon, because we don't know what the Lord wills. Should we make plans? Yeah, we should. Right? I mean, even like just financially, just in case you're unsure of this, I should plan my budget towards the end of the month where I'm not forcing God's hand to perform a miracle at the end of every month. Right? Like, I'm not going to go out and spend all of my money today and be like, well, it's God's problem for the rest of June. Like, He'll figure it out. Like, no, no, no. Like, we should with wisdom. Right? Live as though like Jesus is going to tarry in his coming back, but also live with faith that he might show up right now. Right? So we, we got to kind of have wisdom on both ends there and faith established there as well. And, and this is what uh, James ends up saying. He says, as it is, when we speak with such con- confidence, he says, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Wow. Wow. So, so in terms of our plans, our plans for our own lives, like I said, we're not good at making plans. We're making plans with limited processing power and also with limited information, with limited resources, and with no ability to know the future. And the life that we're going to live out, the life that we're planning is going to vanish real quick anyway. So when it comes to our plans, we should trust in the Lord's will for our lives. And so I want to let you know, this is really good news, that God has a plan for your life. Not just like generically, but specifically. God has a plan for your life. All right? So, so let's, let's, let's think of that. God has a plan for my life. That he's planned out this very moment that we happen to be here right now. He's planned out every breath of our life. And, and when it comes to God's plan, the plan that he has is one that you are able to do with his help. God's not going to call you to do something that you would never be able to accomplish without his ability. Now, I mean, he might ask you to do something that is impossible in man's strength, but with God, all things are possible, okay, just so we're clear. But he is not going to give you a calling that is impossible to be done in the time that you have, in the life that you're given, with the gifts that he gives and the leading of his spirit. He's calling you to do something that is achievable, all right, and I know that sometimes we think like, well, hey, nobody's perfect, and we think of like God's plan maybe as being like five magnitudes greater than what we could accomplish in a day or in our lifetime, but in reality, what he calls us to do can be done by the person he's called to do it, okay? He's not calling you to do someone else's calling. He's calling you to do something that you, with him, are able to do, and he's planned it for a long time, okay? Uh, check out Acts 17. About uh, maybe a year ago, I think we, were, we spent like months in Acts 17, but these verses are still good just because we've read them once, and I doubt you still have all my sermons memorized. Have you guys been memorizing my sermons like over the last, okay, okay, just making sure that was expected, it will be on the final, 
Uh, just so you're clear. Uh, but here we go. Acts 17. This is Paul speaking as he's the only Christian. He just arrived, got off the boat in the city of Athens, and he's speaking to a crowd of the intellectual elite in their college amphitheater. All right? And this is what he ends up saying to them as the only Christian trying to convert this entire city. Which, like, I mean, I, m- I might want to be like, well, God, like, can't you get some other Christian to, like, preach this message? It's like, nah, no, you're the only one that's here right now. Like, you're it. Like, you're the only one I brought to this city. There's things that I've called you to do that only you are able to do. So, so here we go. So Paul says this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built or made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. So I want to point that out as well. Like even in terms of our generosity and the giving we do as unto the Lord or helping out the poor, whatever we're doing, it's not like, well, God, I guess I'll help you out like this time. But remember, you know, like, like no, no, God doesn't actually like need us. The giving that he leads us to do is actually for our benefit which is really cool. Like, God is awesome like that. And, and so, so he's not served by human hands as though he needs anything since, check this out, he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. God is fully equipped and fully resourced. He is the one that has given you every moment of your life. He's given you your body and your, right, your thoughts that are running right now are running on his processor that he's designed. So, so everything in your life, every moment that you have has been given given to you by God, whether or not you are using it for God. Okay, so this is all mankind has been given this by God. Verse 26, (coughs) and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So there we go. We get this idea of purpose. God's desire for all of humanity is that all would reach repentance and come to a knowledge of him and be saved. That even Jesus' delaying in the rapture was for the sake of his patience towards us as humanity, that the most of us possible, right, maximizing that curve, would come to know him and come to experience salvation through his grace. So here we go. God made us is what this says. God made the world that we live in. God gave us everything that we have, and God has purposed us with finding him. God has placed us in the geography of which we live, right, the boundaries of our dwelling, and God has called us to the time period we live in. And I want to suggest this, that the plan that God has for your life, fortunately, can be accomplished in your life, in your dwelling, in your existence, in the time in which you live. It would be really unfortunate if God had called me to be a pastor in the 16th century, right? And here I am, oh man, he put me in, you know, the the 2000s. Like, what am I going to do? I can't accomplish God's plan. He put me in the wrong time period. Like, no, no, no. He's actually set you up for success, called you to do things in the place where you live, in the time period in which you dwell, right? That's, that's really cool news. Like he set us up that much that, that I'm able to succeed at this. This is, this is really cool. This is really good news. And he has sufficient to the day, the trouble they're in. He has given to you tasks to do that can be accomplished in the time he's given you. And the only times I've ever seen God kind of like hard pressed of like, oh no, are they going to make it? 
Like, uh uh-oh, like, are they going to get there in time? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, even think about this, like I've heard it said this way in terms of Joseph and Mary, right, with, like, she's pregnant with Jesus, riding a donkey, and God knows that in the Old Testament it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and can you imagine God like, oh no, like, is the donkey going to get to Bethlehem fast? Like, they got to move along, like, hold it, Mary, just hold Jesus in there a little longer. Jesus needs to be born in Bethlehem, and if that doesn't happen, the whole Bible's wrong right? Like God's not stressed out. He's going to get you where you need to be when he needs you to be there. And even when there's been instances of not enough time for people in the Bible, I consider uh, Joshua who's fighting a war and like they don't have enough time in the day. And God's like, tell you what, like start button pause, sun stops in the sky. Let's give you plenty of time to finish what you call, what you need to do that I called you to do. And all right, let's, let's start play again. Press play. All right. So like God will give you more time if you really need it. Or, or if like, oh man, I need that person in nearly two places at once, what's God going to do now? And I think about Philip in Acts chapter 8, who baptizes a eunuch, right? God calls him, the Holy Spirit leads him out into the desert. Imagine that. God, Jesus told you, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. And then the Holy Spirit's like, all right, hey Philip, go out in a desert, it's like, all right, God, like, there's not a lot of people in the desert. Like, how am I going to reach anyone? And then who passes by on a chariot but a eunuch from Ethiopia who's reading the Bible and is like, what is this about? Who is this talking about? And Philip's like, hey, what you read? Oh, I know that guy that Isaiah 53 is talking about. I, I was hanging out with him. Let me tell you who the Messiah is. And then he baptizes the eunuch. And then God's like, oh, no. I didn't plan this well enough, right? I need Philip in a city 20 miles away right now. He just baptized this eunuch. How am I going to get him there? Geographically, did I plan this out, that the boundaries of Philip's life, that he could do what I've called him to do? You know what God did? God just like teleported him, right? God literally like, like the eunuch, eunuch gets baptized. He comes up and then Philip's just like, like gone and shows up 20 miles away and is preaching the gospel. So in terms of what God's called you to do, you have enough time in your day to do it, right? The, the where he's called you to do it, he will get you there, okay? So like if you're running late, God's still gonna get you where he needs you to be when he needs you to be there, all right? Like you don't have to worry. I used to actually wonder in terms of like energy crisis and stuff, like how many eunuchs per mile you can get like for baptizing, like could I create like a eunuch and water combustion engine? I don't know, that's just a random crazy thought that I had with a friend once. But anyways, like, you can get 20 miles for one eunuch with maybe a gallon of water. I don't know. Like, there's an energy source there, right? That might solve our problems. But anyways, here we go. Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know. I'm I'm having fun already today. I love you guys. Ephesians chapter 2. So check this out. Uh, In case you don't know how we are saved, we are not saved by being good people because there's no such thing as good people. The world has like this significant deficit and shortage of good people. We don't exist. There was only ever one good and perfect person, which was Jesus. God became a man who dwelled among us. He was tempted at all points, yet without sin, and so he can sympathize with your and my weaknesses, right? He, he knows what it's like to struggle with temptation, okay? So, so he knows us. He's not just some distant, far-off God who's like, what do you mean? What's your problem? Like, what do you mean you can't, like, deal with this lust issue? Like, what do you mean you can't deal with, like, this gluttony problem? Like, well, I don't understand. Like, no, no, no. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to be tempted. So he knows what it's like. But, but the good news is that this perfect God-man died in our place for our sins that we could be saved. This is salvation, not that we are good on our own. Check this out. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Faith just means trusting God. 
All right, don't like obscure it with some weird religious definition. Faith just means trusting God. And he says, and this is not your own doing. Oh, phew, I don't have to figure it out myself. Like I can just relax already. Like I don't have to work the rest of my life trying to make this happen. He says, it is the gift of God. So it is not man's work of which you are saved. All right, it is a gift. If you are working for your salvation, you will get paid wages, but it says in Romans that the wages of our sin is death. That if if we're working, assuming we can earn God's favor, that is not the case because his grace and salvation is a gift. And you and I could never afford this gift. All right, we could never afford this gift. And then check out verse nine, right? He makes it pretty clear. Not a result of work so that no one may boast. I didn't think there was any actually like issue with boasting today, but two of my verses already mentioned it. So if the Holy Spirit's hitting your or my heart, like, let's just listen up to that. That was like unintentional, okay? So we can't boast in our good works uh, having gotten saved or since having been saved. It's not like, wow, look at, look at what I've done, guys. Like, I'm pretty amazing. Like, Jesus really loves me. He didn't really have to work all that hard to save me. Just like a little bit of his blood was sufficient to cleanse my sins. You, like, let's... We, we need to dunk you under a little longer. Uh, but check this out. Verse 10. Since you have been saved by grace, by trusting God and receiving the gift that he gives, now we get to work. Now we get to work. Uh, check out verse 10. Right? For we are his workmanship. Right? Like an artistically crafted, perfectly tuned violin. God has made you sufficient to the thing that he's called you to do. And he says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. For as in because, right, with the intent uh, designed for, this is the purpose that you have been made and might I suggest remade because we are all new creations in Christ Jesus once we trust in him. So yeah, God made you when you were a baby, but God remade you when you trusted in him for salvation. And the purpose for that remaking was for good works. Those good works are not the things that save you. You were saved, and now the purpose of your life is accomplishing these good works. But check this out. Which God prepared beforehand. What's that? Another way to say that? God has planned out good things for you to do in your life since being remade in Christ. And this, uh, this next part, this is my favorite right here, that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. Uh, so sometimes I, I get nervous about like, okay, like I'm going to have this difficult conversation with someone and like, you know, eternity's in the balance. And it's like, okay, how, what am I going to say? I'm a, you know, how do I pray for this person? Like, I don't know the outcome of this interaction and so much is at stake. And as a pastor, right, even I can get nervous. Like, oh man, like, you know, this person, like this does, situation doesn't look good. And like, it, do I, how do I share the gospel with them? What do I say? And like, as I'm walking into these moments, this is the verse that I think about is that God has been thinking about this good work that I'm about to do, and he's been thinking about it for eternity past. He's been thinking about it. He's prepared this good work. And, and for my life, even though like, my heart might be pounding, I just have to like, keep walking. Like, all right, I'm just going to walk towards this conversation. I don't even know what I'm going to say. I don't know what like, hope I'm going to give. I don't know how I'm going to communicate. I don't know what I'm going to pray. 
but I just got to walk it out. And God's the one that has already prepared everything for me to do. Right? God is prepared beforehand, and all we do is walk it out, which is really encouraging because that means I don't have to come up with the plan. All right? That means that when, when Jesus equips us for good works, that it's not just like us all chaotically just scattershot, like, all right, one, two, three, break. And then, like, we all just scatter and we're like, ah, good works. Like, we're not just chaotically out, like, making a mess of things and trying to figure it out on our own. Jesus is working in you, the Holy Spirit is leading your life. And you're just walking out the good works that God has already planned for you. We don't have to come up with a plan. Guys, that's, I really like that idea. That I don't have to have this all planned out. That any moment in my life, God's just like, oh yeah, I already planned that. You just need to walk it out. Oh, okay. It wasn't on my calendar, but all right. Like, let's do this. Let's do this. Right? That's a really exciting way to live. I love it. I love it. And so, so God, check this out. Even in terms of just the, right, even like, oh man, okay, I'm called to good works. It sounds, it even has the word work in it. Like that sounds like work. And, and that might sound like maybe a degree of anxiety, but I assure you that, that his burden is, is light, okay? That, that, that when we co-labor with Christ, it's, it's not a hard thing, all right? That his commands are not burdensome. All right, that, that we can just rest in Jesus. He's the one that's like carrying all the load and I just get to go along with him. Okay, so, so it's actually like an, an achievable thing. And I want to point that out. God's, the works that God's prepared for you and prepared for me are ones that we should be able to walk out. He has not prepared good works for you that you are unable to walk out with him. Consider this. Let's say you just woke up today, right? Let's say God has like 10 good works for you to do today, like 10 things, moments, things to say, things to pray that he's called you to do today. He isn't like, all right, I've got 10 for you, but really you can only do three. Like that's all you're really able to. I just, I just wanted to let you know how bad you are at being able to do good works. Like you're not even close to being able to achieve the good works that I have. No, no, no. Like if God calls you to 10, that means you can do all 10. He set us up for success. Like, his purpose in making them was that we could do them, that we should do them, that, that they're achievable, right? He's not calling you to some crazy, impossible thing that is out of your reach that would never have been able to be done with your trusting him, okay? That, like, like, that's really encouraging, that it's not just a life of discouragement that we have to look forward to of like, well, nobody's perfect. No one's actually going to ever do what God calls them to do because he's, he's just calling us to do this, and we could only ever accomplish this much in 24 hours. No. What God calls you to do is able to be done in your day, in your life. And that's really encouraging. I I really like that. Okay? I really, really like that. That's assuring to me that God equips you with the ability to do what he calls you to do. All right? And it's not like, and, and I like the word should in this case as well, not just like could, but but should. It's the right thing for us to do. It's the purpose for which we've been made that we walk this out, right? Likewise, it's not like he gives you 10 things to do today and he's like, just pick any three and that'll be good, right? Or he's not like, hey, just get 70% and you're passing, right? Like that's not what he's saying here. He's saying, no, 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 all of these today can be done in your life. 
all of these with me can be done in your life, right? Like that the Holy Spirit is empowering you, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that God is dwelling inside of you and he gives gifts as he wills so that you can achieve what God's called you to do, right? And we should do them because it's the good thing to do. Not should do them as in like, well, I guess I have to because I need to get saved. Like I need to go to heaven. No, you're already going to heaven. Like, that's not, a, that's not even an issue. That's already been done. Jesus paid that price. That's already been taken care of. You're not doing these good works to feel good about yourself. Actually, I, I even like that. Romans chapter 15, it says that strength is for service. Strength is not for me to serve other people to make me feel good about serving other people. So it's not even about my own comfort, my own, like, like endorphin rush that I get of, like, man, I just did a good work. I'm so good. Let me Facebook this. Right? Like, that's not uh, what it's about. It's, <laughs> it's not about my ability to boast or feel good about myself. Strength is for serving other people. That's what Jesus called us to do. That's what Jesus did. All right? And, and, and the things that he calls you to do are able to be done in the day that you have in the place you live. Super encouraging. Right? And he's working with you the whole time. You just got to like, all right, I'm really scared, Jesus. Just one step in front of the other. <laughs> and so, so God's got the plan. We just got to choose whether or not we're going to accept it. That's all, that's all we got to choose today, right? Like, am I going to say yes next time he shows me his plan? And you might be like, well, well Brian, but like, I don't know his plan for my life, right? Like, that's kind of like frustrating, maybe. Like, I, I don't know what good things he's calling me to do. And, and the way that you can do that, like, I don't know if you've got like, Maybe you and your spouse or your friends might synchronize your calendars on your phone. Like, you just got to sync up your calendar with his, is all you do. Like, Jesus, it was his practice to pray, okay? That he would spend time, he'd wake up early, go to a quiet place, he'd pray. That he did not do anything that the Father was not doing. He didn't say anything that the Father didn't want him to say. And so if you spend time in prayer and just, like, sync up your calendar, like, okay, God, what's on the agenda today? Like, all right, oh, all right, there we go. All right, I had my plans. Wow, you don't even want me to do my plan? No, not, not that one, right? <laughs> not that one. It's like, okay. And, and in terms of the things that God calls you to do in your day, don't feel like, okay, my day's just gonna be like all packed out. I'm gonna be exhausted at the end of every day. Like, that's not the case. Your, God's calendar for you might be less than the calendar you already have. His schedule might be like less and more relaxing than what you're already doing. There's probably less things that we've got on our calendars that he hasn't called us to do that we're spinning our wheels, wasting a lot of energy doing, but if we're willing to cut those away and then like also, oh, God, you wanted to add this? All right. Now I just got to choose whether or not I say yes. Do I walk this out? Am I going to attend this meeting? Right? Like that's all you've got to decide. That's all you've got to decide. And then sometimes you might get some uh, things that weren't on the calendar where the Holy Spirit just like dings you with a reminder, like halfway through the day, oh, like there's someone that I should help right now. Ooh, Uh, God, but really? Like, yeah, right now. Okay, like here we go. Like, and so just let God add reminders to your your life. Let God add something to your calendar. Just sync it up with him. And yeah, he'll share that plan with you. And sometimes you won't know the whole plan, but you can still take the first step. I think... I don't know, that's like some Martin Luther King Jr. quote almost in there. It's paraphrased-ish. So there you go. Uh, and and here's, here's something as well. God is not setting you up to fail. God is not calling you to do something as some like cosmological prankster. God has not set up a bucket of water over the door of your life and been like, walk through it. 
<laughs> like, this is going to be great. Like, angels, check this out. Like, he's not, he's not doing that. He's setting you up to succeed, okay? He's setting you up to succeed. Now, what he's led you through, what he's called you to, may include seasons of suffering. In fact, it will, okay? It, it 100% will. There will be seasons of difficulty, but everything that we experience in this life is nothing to be compared to the glory that is yet to be revealed in us. All right, so, so he's not setting you up for failure. He's setting you up for eternal success. And even if we do something, we take an initiative, we take a step, and I share the gospel with someone and they reject it completely, that might look like a failure on the outside, but we have succeeded even in those moments in doing what God's called us to do because he called us to share. He didn't call us to manipulate someone's response, right? That it's a matter of obedience and, and that those sorts of moments are the things that build character in us that when we go obediently through even seasons of suffering, it develops character in us and prepares us for the further good things that he wants to do in us, right? That it's, it's developing us as individuals. So God is not out to prank you with his plan. It's a good plan, right? And even the bad things in that plan are designed for your good. He's turning all things for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. <clears throat> God's been planning this for a while as well. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I want to read this, this passage from Psalm 139. I've got it up on the screen. And it says this. Uh, the psalmist is just singing praise to God and just thinking about how God has made him. And it's so cool. He says, for you, right, referring to God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Now, the psalmist, I don't know what his uh, biological training was. He probably had a limited idea of like, I don't know, maybe just organs or like bones or something, or like I see like blood vessels in here or something. Like, he probably was thinking that, but, but what's cool is with science, we actually know even more about the amazingness of how God created us, right? The fact that each of us are filled with trillions of individual cells with six feet of DNA apiece that are all encoded, and each cell has thousands of types, not thousands, thousands of types of molecular machines all doing their jobs, making us grow, right? Like, that's, that's pretty amazing that our God is that smart and could just do that. And it's like, that, that's, that's pretty cool, God. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. And you made me, right, even when I was in my mother's womb. And he says, 14, uh, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Like, we can just like sit back in awe of, wow, God, you're so, so awesome. You're so good. Like, you, like, I don't even understand how you made us like this. Like, this is incredible. And he says, wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. He says, your eyes saw my unform, unformed substance. So I want to point out that God is aware, God is watching, God is forming, God is creating, even in the womb when a child is unformed according to our standards. So I just want just to point that out in terms of God's perspective on this. Okay, but now look at this plan that God has. He says this, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. All right, so it's kind of worded almost like Yoda would speak, but, uh, <clears throat> but here we go. God wrote every day of your life before you lived a single one of those days, is what he's saying. That God has, has foreordained, God has pre-planned a plan for your life, and he's been thinking about it at least since you were 
a single cell just coming together, right? And I don't know about you, but my plan, I've only kind of like started planning it probably since I was born. Like, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know too many babies even, I guess, that have like, all right, here's my five-year plan, and then, and then I'm going to graduate from Harvard, and then president of the United States. Like, there's no babies that are planning this out. Like, we don't make plans that far back. And that God's plan for your life goes even before the foundations of the world, okay? That God has been planning your life for you. And it's a good plan. It's a good plan, We don't have to be afraid of God's plan. We don't have to feel like, who is he to intrude on my life telling me what I'm supposed to do? Right? Like, no, you don't have to be offended about that. God has a good plan for your life. Okay? God has a really good plan for your life. And this is what he says in verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is their sum. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. I don't, know, I don't know what that last part means. I was assuming like if I try to count the number of thoughts that God has about me, it's like I'd, I'd fall asleep while I'm counting and I'll wake up and oh, God's still there thinking about me. Like, oh, all right, I lost count, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know. But either way, God is thinking good thoughts towards you. All right, I don't know, Jeremiah 29, 11, go check that one out. It's talking about the Israelites in Babylon, but God has a good plan for your life. That's, you can take that from there anyway. But God has good thoughts for you. God has been planning your life from the beginning. Side note, in terms of your theology and mine, uh, just because God knows what's going to happen does not mean he makes it happen. Does not mean he's forcing you to do anything. All right? God has a good plan in your life, but he's also given each of us free will to choose whether or not to do it. The way I I think about it is from God's perspective, it's as though you and I are all in a a reality TV show and all of the decisions we're making are our own, and from God's perspective, it's like the 19th time he's seen this rerun. Okay, like, God's like, yeah, oh man, this is going to be so funny, they're going to do this, and whatever, but like, for us, we own every decision we make. He just knows what we're going to do, but it's not forcing us to to make those choices, if, if that makes it clear. And in terms of God's plan for your life, this is something that I thought about since I was like 16 years old and first started reading the Bible. I thought this, that when we get to heaven, looking back at our lives, I don't know what sort of moment we'll have in heaven if we can do this or not, but if we look back at our lives in retrospect, you and I would agree 100% with what God said was best for our lives. All right? So, like, it might not make sense now. In fact, it, we're pretty sure it's not going to make sense to you right now. All right? Like, we don't know all of God's thoughts that he has towards us. But once we get there, because we know his character, we know his goodness, like, we will have agreed with 100% of what his plan is if, right, we had, like, the ability to do so. Uh, so I want to just encourage you, God has a good plan for your life, and even every season of difficulty that builds character in us, it'd be like, like, God, that... That makes so much sense that you had that right there. That, that prepared me, that, that equipped me with what I needed to be able to succeed with what you called me to do later. Like, and I understand, God, that this was a fallen world that I lived in, that there's death, that there's sin, and so I understand that these things happen as a result of other people's free will, of my own free will and choices that had all of these things happening, but you still worked all of those moments together for good, and that was a really good plan, right? Like, so it's not like we need to resist somehow God's plan that he has. And so, so when in terms of God's plan, I don't know, maybe you do want to resist. You're like, I don't know, like he can't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want. 
Uh, and Jesus asked this question in Matthew chapter 6. He says, which of you can add an hour to your life by worrying? All right, which of you can add an hour to your life by worrying, right? And just kind of the idea of like, like, let me just expound on that idea. Could any of us make our lives better by doing something Jesus told us not to do? All right, because Jesus says, do not worry. All right, or, could, or can any of us make our lives better by disobeying God? Is there a way that I can be like, I know he wants me to give something up that I want, but I don't want to give it up. And I'm going to choose to keep the thing that he's telling me to surrender. Am I making my life better by doing that? Like, like no. The, the, I mean, momentarily, we get the, the, the fleeting pleasures of sin, it says in Hebrews. Right? But in, in Proverbs, it says that stolen bread tastes sweet, but later it's like gravel in the mouth. It's like, oh, man. I'm going to keep chewing this just for the sake of, like, because we have company over, and I don't want to spit it out in a napkin, but, yeah, I'm so glad about the decisions I've made in my life, right? Like, no, no, like, that's, we, we can only make our lives less good by disobeying God. Or, or think about this, like, are we going to, like, go to God and be like, God, I'm sick of your rules. Like, I, I don't want to live under your, your roof anymore. I'm moving out. I'm going to go to my own universe. Like, I'm going to have my own rules. Like, I don't want to do this, right? And God's like... Do you understand how expensive it is to rent your own universe? Like, do you understand, like, how, what your bills are going to be, your utilities? Do you know the laws of thermodynamics? How are you going to heat your own universe? How are you going to work against that? Right? Like, you can't afford that. And there's no such universe through which we could run to to get away from God's plan and his sovereignty for our lives. Right? We looked at that when we, saw, when we went through the book of Jonah, that, that Jonah's like, God, I don't like that you've called me to go to preach to this city, Nineveh. And Jonah's on the run, and the whole way, God is shepherding Jonah's life and his heart and bringing him back to himself, and Jonah still does what God called him to do from the beginning. Right? Like, there's, there's no running from God that doesn't exist. And, and any rebellion we would have would not somehow make our lives better. Let me just give you a handful of Proverbs to, to make this point, okay? Super quick. I don't even have them on the screen. Proverbs 6.32. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. But I really thought it was a good idea at the time. Nope. It wasn't, okay? Uh, Proverbs 16.18. Pride goes before destruction in a haughty spirit before a fall. Right? Like, if I want to live a life of boasting and ego and all about myself, nope. It's not good for me. Jesus told me it's not a good idea. God told me it's not a good idea. That if that's the, the sort of life decisions I'm making, it is towards my own destruction. I'm not making my life better. I'm making it worse. Okay? Or, or how about this? D divorce. Now, Jesus did say that there are certain situations in which divorce are okay. I'm someone who's been divorced. But this says, it says this in Malachi 2. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence. Right, that by like, God, I, I am not going to be married to this person. I don't care what they think, right? I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want. And depending on the situation, God's saying like, listen, like those decisions of resisting God's will and you're maybe forgiving that person is just covering your own life, your own clothing with violence. Right, God's merciful, all right? God loves people who are divorced. God forgives, depending on the search, right? God, God still forgives, so don't worry. Or, or how about greed, says this in 1 Timothy 6, but those who desire to be rich, not those who are rich, all right, 
Like, I mean, that'd be convenient for the rest of us. Like, yeah, it's those rich people are the problem. No, no, no. Those who desire to be rich, that can be poor people too. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So I ask you, which of us can make our lives better by disobeying God's plan for us? None of us can. Not, not, you, not you. You can't make your life better. Oh, zero. Okay, okay. I thought you were raising your hand. Like, ah, I think, no, no. All right, there we go. Right? So, so anytime we pursue things that God says that's a bad idea, we are setting ourselves up for failure. So this is what I'm encouraging you today, is that we need to accept the mission that God has for us. That's all we got to decide. That's all we got to do today. Okay? Like, God will equip you for it. God has pre-planned all of it. But are we going to say yes? Are we going to say yes? See, I'm going to skip ahead a few here because I'm running out of time. I've been running my mouth or something. Romans 12, verse 1. This is Paul speaking. He says, I appeal to you, therefore. I actually like the the, uh, King James. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Paul is near begging these people with what his next claim is. He says, by the mercies of God. He said, I beg you. Right? Think about how merciful God has been towards us. How many times he has averted wrath that we have deserved for the wrong that we do, and he's given us good things instead. Right? By the mercies of God, remember how good God has been to you. Remember the sacrifice that Jesus has made. He has given us his son, right? And he's given us all good things. He's not going to withhold anything good from us. So by the mercies of God, he says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or some other translations, many of them say, which is your reasonable service. That it's appropriate reciprocation in response to what Jesus did for us. He who died for me, I should live for him. Right? And perhaps, maybe like, you know, we think like, I think if it came down to it, if someone's like, you know, do you love Jesus or I'm going to kill you? Like, I think, I think I could die for Jesus. Like, I think I could die for him. But you know what's even harder than dying for Jesus? It's living for Jesus every day. Like, that's hard. That's hard. Like, if I could make a moment of 30 seconds of obedience of like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll die for Jesus. Like, that's easy. But if I need to sustain the next 30 years of following Jesus, that's going to be some work. But he deserves it. Okay, he deserves it. And it's, so, so this is what Paul says. Present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. No, don't kill yourself for God. Live for God. Right, that our bodies were given to us by God. And so that we should not just worship God in like an hour on a Sunday morning, right, or not just with our voices and our song, but, but worship God with our lives and with our bodies in every moment that we have. And he says this, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be like everyone else. You're not going to be able to serve God by looking like the world. Those two things are mutually exclusive. It's not going to happen. All right, I know we try, right? We want to serve God and money, right? That doesn't work, right? Jesus said you can't do it, okay? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We cannot act like Jesus if we think like the world, okay? We cannot act, we will not act like Jesus. We will not do what God calls us to do if our thinking is repeated, repeatedly just thinking like the rest of the world. I will not fight sin in my life if I don't think that sin is harming me. I will not pursue the lost to, to draw them to Christ 
if I don't think that it's worth it. I will not trust God's plan for my life if I don't believe that it's better. So the the way that this happens is that we need to allow God's word, God's truth to change our minds. Right? That's what repentance itself means, to, to turn, to change your mind. So when I turn from my own way of life, my own definitions of sin, my own, my own way of doing things, and I'm like, all right, God, I'm going I'm to do it your way. Right? That my mind needs to be changed. Or as it says in Romans 10, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, that even when we hear a Bible verse, we're like, like everything in us is kind of resisting it. Like, I don't want that to be true, though. But like, no, I, I, don't, I really don't want that to be true, though. Like, just read it again. Right? Or, or just like Google Bible and the topic that offends us and then like look at what the whole Bible has to say about it and just be like, all right, like it's, it's building trust in me towards God as I expose my heart, as I expose my mind to what God says on the matter. All right, and he says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right, God wants us to be able to accomplish his will for our lives. He equips us with the ability to do it. He's called us to a place in which it can be done in a time period in which we can accomplish it. Right? And he's only asked us to do what could be done in the days that you and I have by us and him. Right? Like that, that's what he's asked us to do. And what's cool is, yeah, there is this process of testing or discerning or trying to experiment with what is God's will. Like, here's like some like real quick start for you. The Bible is going to describe God's will in general for all of us, all right? No specific will that God has for your life will contradict what his word already says, all right? Fortunately, we don't serve like to some like crazy nut job, multiple personality God. He's, he's consistent. He's a God of order, right? He didn't place us in some Alice in Wonderland universe where like, there's nothing predictable here. Like, no, no, no. Like, he's, he's consistent, Okay? And so, so the first place we can discern God's will is in his word, and then the other place is with his Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit leads us. As the Holy Spirit might be like, hey, Brian, go talk to that person. I'm like, I don't know, was that my idea or was that the Holy Spirit? I don't know. And then sometimes when I don't do it, and I see maybe someone else step up and do it and say exactly what I was just going to say, I'm like, wow, okay, I guess that was the Holy Spirit, and I missed my chance. I'm glad someone else did it. Or when we do it and we walk it out and we see the way that it works out, like, wow, like, that wasn't my idea. That was the Holy Spirit's voice, all right? Or when we do it and it's like, just crash and burn, we're like, oh, that was me, all right? I guess I, guess I wasn't supposed to write sign a lease on that car. I guess that wasn't the Holy Spirit, or I guess I shouldn't have ordered dessert, right? Like, whatever the case may be, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was me. Uh, and, and so it's through that testing, like, that God's grace is there when we mess up, but we eventually learn his voice, we learn his voice and we can discern God's will. And then the next time he asks us, we, tr- we trust him. And the, the most adventurous and exciting way to live, let's, let's see, I've got to start getting this worship team back up here. Uh, aha, I didn't set the clock today, so, so there we go. So I, I wasn't warned, guys. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Keep going, yeah. But uh, the most adventurous way to live, the most exciting life that you can have is the one where every day you're signed up, you're saying yes to what God asks you to do. And what's cool about it is, I don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know what that's going to look like. But God has set you up for success. And, and it's so cool if we can learn to say yes before we even hear the rest of his request. 
And that's something that we can choose to do today. It's a matter of our will. Like, all right, God, am I going to follow you? Right? So that when he says, hey, would you be willing? Yes. Like, yeah, I am. Or would you be willing to go? Here I am. Send me, God. Right? Like, are we willing to say yes? Do we trust him to the point that we're willing to say yes that quick? Because the cool thing about obedience, which is actually also like the terrible thing about obedience for all of us with flesh, is that we can obey with not, without understanding why. I know we want to be like, well, God, I understand you're asking me to do that, but why should I? Or why is that the way you want it done? But no, no, no. Obedience does not require understanding as to why it needs to be done. And it takes a while to get to that point where we trust God, where it's like, okay, like God is good. God is great. God has demonstrated his love for me. I can trust him that when he asks me to do something, I can say yes immediately. And I don't have to be afraid. Right? It's like both a terrifying and exhilarating way to live. Okay, but you can trust God. You can trust God. You can say yes like that. And sometimes it's important because you don't have time to get the explanation, right? Like a parent yelling at their kid to get out of the road. Here comes the car. Like, why do I need to get out of the road? No, there's no time. You need to get out of the road. Like, I don't have time to explain this. That there are both blessings and difficulties that God wants us to avoid that may require immediate obedience. And today, yeah. That's okay. We're all we're all afraid to die. I've heard of it put this way: that uh, that there is such a thing as dying grace. That God is an ever-present help in time of need. That that in that moment you'll be ready that day. Like we're not ready for it right now because it's it's not today, right? But in that moment, God's grace will be there for you. Sufficient to the day is the trouble therein, so we don't have to worry about it. And so whether it's that sort of thing or any plan that God has for us, we don't have to worry, right? God's grace will be sufficient to that day to the things that he's called us to do. And he's a good shepherd. Like, he's, he'll lead us the whole way. He'll lead us the whole way. So, that, so that's what I'm asking you to do today. You don't have to take an action. You just have to make a commitment. You just have to, right, like Frodo with the ring, like, I understand I need to do this. I accept this mission. Right? I'm accepting God's plan for my life. So during these last two songs, think that through, pray that through. Let's pray this out real quick. All right. All right, I gotta just end it. Just gotta end it. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you have been thinking about us for a really long time, and I'm excited about that. I'm so thankful that you have pursued us when we were your enemies, that you sought us out, that you love us, that you build our trust in you with this great demonstration of love that you've shown. And so, Lord, I hope that you just build our faith, build our trust in you. Yeah, we can't figure out, we can't yet obey the things of tomorrow, but we know that today we can say yes and that your grace is here for us. And we know that tomorrow you'll be there with us too, and lo, you are with us to the ends of the age. So, Lord, help us to just follow you. Help us to walk out the good works that you have prepared beforehand, that we could reach our community, that we could serve this world, that we could love you with all of our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.